0: all right hello everybody welcome to the 411 ground and pound MMA podcast we are your weekly look into the wide wacky wonderful world of mixed martial arts my name is Robert Winfrey and I am your host before we get going let me do the usual like comment subscribe star rating written review whatever is applicable to your podcast platform of choice and there's a lot of them and a lot of different ways you can do that so please feed the algorithm it is an unholy abomination Um. On the agenda this evening what do we got last night UFC and ESPN plus 96 which was not as bad as I think a lot of us feared it could have been in fact there was a little bit of uh, revisionism that went on before the card started a few people pointing out you know apart from the top two fights this really isn't that bad and I'm not saying that's incorrect even um problem is you the top two fights were the top two fights and well we'll get to that But we'll break down all of that. Uh, Then coming this Saturday, the UFC's back on pay-per-view. They are in Miami, Florida. For UFC 299, we got the bantamweight belt. We've got guaranteed violence between Dustin Poirier and Benoit Saint-Denis. We got stuff, so we'll do the whole preview. And then, once again, kind of a light news week. Not a lot of fights being announced. Um, I imagine we're waiting for... What are they waiting for? So we do have, uh, we know the next several. Um, they're probably not going to wait for 300. I mean, waiting for a next the next big batch of fights until April 13th is probably asking for trouble. We'll probably get more next week, honestly. And the build-up in the aftermath of 299 is probably when we'll start getting stuff announced for most of April. Uh, like, the back half of April, then into May and whatnot. Because, see, we know UFC 300. That's April 13th. The fight night after that, we don't know much. We know a little bit. Um, We know a little bit of that. No main event. Um, So some fights need to be announced there. Um, We we know... We don't know a whole lot about UFC 301, actually. I've got a hunch that that fight between um, Pereira and Jamal Hill was supposed to be here. And then they couldn't make something other else for three hundred, so they jump they pushed it there and uh, three oh one is again we got a handful of fights, but I I don't know that any of these are even main card. Yeah, Paul Craig and Paulo Bahalio maybe. But that I mean Joachim Silva and sorry, not Joachim Silva. Yeah, it's Joaquim Silva, excuse me, Neto BJJ. The think Car Close is fine, but again, I, I don't think we have the main card announced for 301 yet. And then your know, stuff the rest of May, like, we got nothing. We're just, uh, we got nothing there. So, build up to pay-per-view and aftermath of pay-per-view, that's probably where we're going to get a lot of the fight announcements. So, relatively light news week, but we'll talk about a few things that have cropped up. So, be on the lookout, so be on the lookout for that and yeah i think that's it that's all i've got in the preamble so oh um if you've interacted with the product already in other ways please give it a give it a share whatever your social media platform of choice happens to be or just people you know in your real life that you think would enjoy the podcast point them in my direction hopefully i can entertain and educate um or i've said this before man if if something about my voice and my cadence is just really makes it easy for your kids to fall asleep too, I will take that as well. And you know I'm safe. I try. I nothing weird comes out here. Uh, I try very hard not to swear or anything. So, all right, that's it. That's my somewhat rambly preamble. Let's get into UFC on ESPN plus 96. As usual at the top of the show let's talk about the prediction tracker Um, so a couple of things one I was I was uh, more or less correct Uh, Ricky Tercios and Raul Rosas was not booked here there was still a chance when we talked about it that the UFC could make it happen Um, but never came together for whatever reason back-to-back weight cuts that close to a week apart Yeah, that was always going to be a bit of a long shot. So, that never happened. The fight between Vinicius Oliveira and um, his original opponent was... Hang on. We had a couple of fights that got shifted last minute. Um, Oliveira swapped to... Okay, uh, Yeah, it was supposed to be him and Giannis Gamori... Morty fell out. He was replaced by Bernardo Sopai, who I believe is the first Albanian to make his way to the UFC, but I might be mistaken there. So with that shift of opponent, my, pred- my pick um, went with Oliveira. I think I changed that, but I don't remember. I think it was still Oliveira anyway, but... Um, the fight between Mohamed Yahya and Brendan Mar- Murat never materialized. Some kind of injury to, uh, to Murat. Um, we also had, uh, the fight between Joel Alvarez and Ludovic Klein fell apart. Apparently there were, um, visa issues. That's what they're listed as for Alvarez. He was replaced by AJ Cunningham. I picked Alvarez initially. Klein against Cunningham was a pretty easy switch of my pick to Klein. Um, I've told you guys before, you're going to have to trust me on this because I'm not uh, I'm not going to record midweek podcasts for <laughs> fight changes, but I won't always go with the short notice w- with the guy who did not take the fight on short notice, but statistically whoever takes the fight on short notice tends to lose. So it's, a again, at the end of the year, if I'm a hundred percent on all those, then feel free to call me out. But otherwise, um, It's not. It's usually a safe bet to pick the guy who stuck around on the card instead of the guy who subbed in. So um, I think that was, and it was all the shifts. So we only had um, 11 fights on the card, which was kind of nice. So your boy here went nine and two. Um, I only got wrong. Um, Eamon Zahabi upsetting, uh, Javed Basharat, which, uh, I, I was not dismissive of Zahabi last week. I was maybe a little more confident in Basharat than I should have been. I still think very highly of both of them, but because this was, let me make sure it's Javed, not Farid. Um, Yeah, this was Javid. Javid's fight with Victor Henry that went to a no contest. I gave him the first round, but Henry was starting to work some things out, and then it ended with that horrendous low blow in the second. Um, Should have been maybe a little bit more telling about not Basharat's ceiling, which I still think is very high, but his current level, and unfortunately... He would have been better served, even if he'd still won, to have got, to have, for that fight, for that fight with Victor Henry to keep going, because there's lessons you take from tough fights, even if you win. Unless you're, I mean, some people are just tough to learn. He might be one of those people, I don't know. But my hunch is, um, that would have been more instructive for him than the way it played out. Hopefully, this fight will wind up being very instructive for him, because this was probably winnable. Um,. In fact, it was winnable, but some stuff down the stretch kind of messed with him a little bit, and we'll talk about it when we get to it. The other one I got wrong was the main event, largely because I—I I think I said this like I could easily see Gazeev you know, having an okay seven minutes and then having nothing after, and that's what happened instead of him finding an early, instead of him managing to land something of significance early, and which might have done it, but. So again, nine and two. Um, I'm I'm happy with that. That brings me on the year to 60 and 23. Two no contests. One fight fizzled on Fight Night. And that's what my fizzled um, column is for. Stuff that falls out on Fight Night. Anything else will not be listed. It'll just be a fight that I like note didn't happen. Because um, otherwise, I'm keeping track of too much stuff. But anything that happens on the broadcast, I don't mind acknowledging via my spreadsheet. So that's where we were. Um, having it, you know what? I'm doing okay through two months. I'm—I've mentioned this before. Like my goal is to be better than a coin flip. So I'm all right with uh, how this is going so far. Okay, on to the fights. Enough, you know, potentially patting myself on the back a little bit too hard. Main event, uh, Jairzina Rosenstroik defeats Shamil Ghaziv via TKO, um, doctor-referee stoppage between rounds four and five. Um, one judge gave Gaziev the first two rounds. I did not. I gave him the first. Did I? First, I will accept get going his way. I may have given it to him. After that, um, he started huffing and puffing. Rosenstrike just pretty decent not even great circling, just moving enough to avoid this big lumbering bear. Peppering him with leg kicks, jabs to the face, jabs to the body, right hand to the body. Um and then as it went on, just picking it up, more jabs, more jabs, very traditional. Deal with some pressure, establish your weapons, and then build on them until the other guy falls apart. Um This, I can say the following, this should not have been the main event. Um, I would have preferred, let me tell you what the main event should have been. The main event should have been Mohamed Makayev and Alex Perez, because I would have been very curious to see that go two more rounds. Instead, we got these lumbering CO2 machines, because boy, were they huffing and puffing. Just kind of meandering around. I'm being a little bit disingenuous. Not disingenuous. I'm being a little bit insulting. And I apologize. It's more for comedic effect. Like I'm well aware that either of these two guys, uh, they work very hard. Achieving success in the UFC means you have worked very hard. You cannot luck your way into that. Even if, whether or not I like you as a fighter, whether or not, What kind of a person you are like you you cannot backdoor your way into that so when i say that these guys were just kind of lumbering around after a bit and gazeev in particular and just huffing and puffing and it wasn't very interesting that's because it's the truth i'm not trying to be dismissive um His takedown defense has clearly been something of a priority. uh, Because he got taken down near the end of the first, and he didn't have anything off of his back. That's more troubling. His ability to fight off takedowns, especially against the fence, I think is much improved from where it has been. More troubling, if we're looking at trajectory, is that this guy still can't get up. That's the real problem. Um... So, something to work on for him. For Gazeev, just, he didn't have a lot of offense. He wasted a lot of time and energy clinching. Um, He didn't land a whole lot clean. And then, like a lot of guys of his size, you've got seven minutes-ish. And then after that, you got nothing. So, that's kind of how this played out. Um, I think of note between rounds four and five, Gazeev told his corner he couldn't see out of one eye. Now he's speaking, I think Russian, because he's from Bahrain, so they might have a they might speak a different language. I'm not entirely sure. But he's speaking to his corner, and they're speaking in their native language. And the corner then Mark Goddard's like, hey, wait, what did he say? The corner lies, because if he can't see, he can't fight. So Goddard kind of sensing. What's going on? Says, no, 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 no. We're not starting yet. Gets the translator over, I think. He says, no, you tell me exactly what he told you. Gets the doctor in to check on gazevan he said, I can't see. I think it was his right eye. Because he was eating a bunch of jabs. He was bleeding from the nose, mostly. His mouthpiece wouldn't stay in. So he said, yeah, he can't see out of that one eye. If he... Okay. And, you know, you got to wave it off at that point. Really well done by Mark Goddard handling all that. Um, not that he cares about my opinion of him, but big thumbs up on that job. So heavyweight continues to not be great. Um, and we'll see what happens. I think um, in the aftermath, Rosenstreich said he wants to fight... Um, was it July? I think it was July he mentioned. No opponent, but that's that's kind of the... Timetable he's got in mind another couple of months. So maybe June. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, he he pretty badly needed a win. That guy has been on the wrong end of some pretty rough fights recently, so good on him. Your curl main event sucked out loud. Um, Vitor Petrino defeats Tyson Pedro 230 27 to 29 28. Nothing really happened here. A lot of circling. Some leg kicks, some jabs, clinching. Um, no issue with Petrino taking it. This fight again just kind of sucked. Um, more interesting than anything that took place in the cage, after the Tyson Pedro retired after this fight, and then at the post-fight presser, expressed his somewhat dire financial situation. Yeah, I'm gonna get back on my uh, soapbox again for just a minute here. Tyson Pedro has been in the UFC since 2016. Okay? Now, he's had his ups and downs. But he's been in the UFC since 2016 and for the last few to several years, he's been ranked. He's been a top 15 fighter in the UFC for again a few years, quite a few maybe quite a few at this point. And he's out here saying, I'm probably going to have to mug someone in the parking lot after this has all been said and done. I can take it. I'm willing to entertain a degree of debate on the notions of entry levels into the UFC. I think it's a little embarrassing that people come into the UFC still at 12 and 12. But, given the UFC's current approach is basically puppy mill farming, I'm more understanding a little bit of, okay, we're going to throw a bunch of people at the wall, we're going to pay them not a whole lot, and we're going to see what sticks. I could, I could live with that. I could accept that if one pay escalated fairly quickly, if you did prove to be very good. Oregon was kind of graduated in different ways. Um, that would help, but I can understand, I can kind of understand that I don't like it. I do think it's a little embarrassing, but it's more than a little embarrassing in a lot of ways, but I'm willing to kind of entertain a bit of discussion around, okay, what should an entry level contract for the UFC look like? if you're coming in er- relatively early in your career and you're an unknown quantity. I mean, obviously, the UFC is... I mean, newsflash, guys. It's been true for a while. If you come in on the Contender Series, they're going to stick you on that 12-and-12 12 12 contract and they're going to make you fight five or six times at that pay scale before they renegotiate. I There might be some provisions that are different, but I don't think Joe Pfeiffer even made... He made more than 12-and-12. 12 12. I'd for the fight with um, Hermanson that was five rounds. But probably not much more. Uh, Again, that would just kind of be the guess I'm hazarding out there. Um, Most of the time, again, Sean O'Malley came in via the Contender Series, and that's why he fought people who weren't very good for the first, like, four or six fights of his career. He was public about this. Like, I'm getting paid the same if I fight this guy making his debut or if I fight, you know, Piotr Jan or Henry Cejudo. So why would I fight those guys? You know what? I said this when he started when he started talking about this. I said, you know what? He's not wrong. Fair play to him. Can't hate it. Then when he got a better deal, he fought Piotr Jan. He fought for the bell. Like he's. I. We're going to be talking about O'Malley later, but. I can, so, but I can understand, like, again, I'm willing to have some discussion about the UFC just throwing a boatload of fighters at the wall and seeing who sticks and not wanting to invest too much money into a bunch of failed prospects, which is what this, the way they're doing the contender series, that's what's going to result. And so I can can track the logic there. And I'd be, I still think it's a little embarrassing, but I can track that. A ranked fighter in the UFC should not be out here having to talk about dire financial situations. Jessica Andrade should not be selling off assets. Um, it's a ranked fighter in the UFC should not make less than someone on the practice squad of the NFL. Can we agree on this? I know there's a bunch of idiots out there with very deranged views about fighter pay because they've glommed on to every ridiculous thing Dana White has said over the years. And please stop. Please be serious. That's not a serious Dana White's sound bites are not a serious answer to what is becoming a very serious problem. Okay. And again, I'm more than willing to accept that there could be some reasonable discussion around entry level guys coming in via the contender series who have like less than, you know, ten fights. I mean, I'm there's there's play here, right? There's some play in the joints. But if you're ranked, if you're ranked as one of, by the, whoever the UFC employs and tells how to rank, because basically that's what they do, if you're ranked as one of the 15 or 16 best guys in that division, in an organization that last year generated $1.3 billion in revenue, call me crazy, you shouldn't be financially destitute. This is this is ridiculous. It's embarrassing. And for some reason, nothing's being done. I shouldn't say for some reason. I know why there's nothing being done about it. Because this allows for the maximal profit margins for executives and for the ownership that is still paying off debts. But this is the problem. That is all coming at the expense of the fighters. And... It's uh, it's ridiculous. It just is. I, I know. Again, I know a lot of people get a little bit upset, like the guys coming in at ten and ten or twelve and twelve. I do think that's a little embarrassing for a one point three billion dollar revenue generating entity. Little bit. I mean, you guys make three hundred million dollars a year guaranteed from ESPN for putting on thirty fight nights. That's not even counting the pay-per-views, mind you. (laughs) And you turn the... uh, Remember when there was discussion about professionalism and how we don't like our fighters looking like NASCAR-branded things and look at the canvas lately? Because I have to, a lot. It's just about who gets what cut of the pie. And that's all it is. But I'm willing to say that your your entry-level stuff can be lower. That's why it's entry-level. But your top 15 guys are still out here, and girls are still... uh, I know a lot of people that have been tapping out on the sport. Um... A lot of people who, just having seen how much of how the sausage is made, they're just like, I can't. I can't do it. And I don't blame them. I do not blame them one iota. But the co-main event sucked. It was a very not good fight. Um, Next up, at flyweight, Mohamed Makaev defeats Alex Perez via unanimous decision. 29-28 29-28 across the boards. I scored this for Prodez. I don't object to Mikhaev winning it, but I do not... I wanted this to have two more rounds. So Mikhaev's actual wrestling is really good. That's not a secret. His striking was a little bit more present this time, which is a step in the right direction. But a couple of things happened here. When his takedown game started... Wrestling is not the same as takedowns. When his takedown game got shut down, he didn't have much of a second gear there. He was, the only thing he could try to do was tie up and then try to again try to force some actual wrestling instead of just you know a double leg or a single leg with mixed results um he did display a little bit more ground and pound so there's a few things that are moving in the right direction but uh this was getting worse for him the longer this went and i think with two more rounds perez wins this um Which is fine. It was a three-round fight. I'm not saying... If it had gone two more rounds like this, I think Perez wins. If they'd known it was a five-round fight, things would have been different in preparation. Probably would have been a little bit different in practice. I'm not... I'm well aware of that, but... Mikhaev's gas tank might be a little bit of a question mark at this point. Especially if he's not in the one dictating what's going on. I saw some people do the... So how does his fight with Alexandre Pantoja go? Right now, very badly for Mikhaev. Um Have you seen Pantoja grapple? He's very, very, very good. He also knows how to strike. He's also been through wars. He's also been five rounds multiple times. Um, right now, that goes very badly for Mikhaev. Uh, again, I kind of thought Perez won, but I don't object to Makayev winning it. Uh, not a bad fight. Next up, at Bantamweight, Umar Nurmagomedov defeated Bekzat Almakan, the unanimous decision. A 30-25, which I don't agree with. I don't really agree with. And then two 30-26s, which was my scorecard. So first round, um, Nurmagomedov gets clipped on the temple. Almakan comes out throwing heat. Clips him, wobbles him. In fact, um, Umar joked afterwards like, yeah, he, I didn't see the punch that hit me and then I woke up holding a single leg so I wrestled him down. <laughs> uh, I, After that, it was just um, very traditional what Umar Nurmagomedov does to people. Got him down, good ground and pound, some pretty nasty elbow work. He had lumped up um, Khan's face by the end of it. I gave him a 10-8 second. I didn't quite get there for a third for the third round. I want to give Almakan credit. He never gave up on himself. He got it. He was in bad positions at different times here. Mount, back mount, never. I, when I say never conceded, like sometimes you have to like wait for the opportune moment. But he ne- as soon as he saw it, he'd do something. He never decided. Well, this is it. I'm done. So I give him a lot of credit for that. Umar Nurmagomedov is still maybe the best bantamweight in the world. I've seen some people, again, kind of be down on this one because it was a lot of wrestling, a lot of top control. Um, it was, but he did But two things. One, he did damage. He was not lay and praying. There was damage being dealt. There was positional advancement. Like, he was... He was not just laying. He was not just laying there and going, "Please don't stand me up." He was doing stuff. He was clearly the superior grappler and brought that to bear. Two, I think it's a bit disingenuous to pretend that Almacan's heart and defense wasn't playing a role here. He was overmatched, but he, other people would have melted in the second round and been finished. He wasn't pretending that this was a boring outing from Umar is to somewhat ignore the other guy in the cage with him who was doing stuff that prevented uh, Nurmagomedov from really getting a finish. Uh, I still think very highly of Nurmagomedov. I think he's probably going to be champion. Um, It's going to be a little bit rough getting there because Bantamweight's great um but look at how many he fought a debutante here because everyone else was either already booked or wouldn't sign to fight him people don't want to fight this guy after the fight he said yeah i want to fight i want to rebook the fight with Corey sandhagen that was supposed to take place last year and then um minor shoulder injury to Nurmagomedov. um good rebook that fight that's a great fight i want to see it i really want to see that fight um, but I like Nurmagomedov's chances against um, O'Malley. I like them against... I really like them against Cheeto Vera. Vera pulls it off. And I like them against Marab. And I tend to think Marab's the next guy who's going to wear gold. Whether whether O'Malley or um, Vera wins, I don't... I'm not saying neither. it's impossible for either of them to beat Marab. It's not. Marab can be hit. He can be hurt. And O'Malley's got great timing and pretty good power, and Chito Vera is just that's a hard guy to fight. he's 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 just all rough edges, you know, all sharp angles. Not that it doesn't mean he can't be beaten. Canon has. But that's a rough fight. But I think Marab probably beats either of them at this point. Um, so anyway, that was again nice to see Umar Nurmagomedov back, and I would like to see Almakan against a more appropriate level of opposition, not maybe the best guy in the world. <laughs> um, then at flyweight, Steve Urseg knocked out Matt Schnell with a left hook at 26 seconds into the second round. Urseg's boxing is pretty darn good, um, especially for MMA. He was getting the better of everything between him and Schnell. Then uh, that was at range. That was in the pocket. Schnell had some success when he extended combinations. But quick into the second, he tries to get inside the jab of Urseg, which was tough for him. Gets inside, gets into the pocket, which is where he kind of needed to be. But. Just kind of stands still in there. They both are exchanging, but Urseg with the right to the body, left hook to the head, classic, for a reason. And Schnell's not moving or weaving or doesn't even really have his hands up and drops, bangs his head on the mat after... The... He was sleeping. Um, good win for Urseg. Like his upside, man. is quietly building something. Still some stuff to work on, clearly, but... There's some skill there. There's some very real skill. That was your main card. On the prelims, Eric Anders defeated Jamie Pickett. The unanimous decision a 29-27, which I don't quite get. Uh, Pickett has the first round. I don't know which of the other two would have been 10-8. But Anders wins the next two rounds pretty cleanly. Nothing much to see here. Bantamweight, good grief. So, Vinicius, this is your fight of the night, and I think deservedly so. So, Vinicius Oliveira and Bernardo Sopi come out, and it starts very well, actually, for Sopi. He's av- able to avoid a lot of the kicks. He gets takedowns. He gets on top. He's He wins the first round. Second round is a little more of the same. He is able to get things down. He gets to full mount. He gets back mount you're starting to think okay he's he's kind of got this going on and oliveira guts through it reverses position actually wins the second round on my card despite having lost position for so much of it gets on top starts working ground and pound um, pretty furiously third round and so pies a little bit shot and oliveira is not exactly a spring chicken at the moment but he's pressing forward big guy rangy for the weight class Putting stuff together, he's been chopping Sopai down with calf kicks. He hobbles him with one. Sopai kind of backs into the fence. And Oliveira, with this beautiful flying knee, right to the chin, ends him. Just one of the knockout. That's a knockout of the year contender. It was so good. Um, Again, fight of the night. No issues with that designation for me. Uh yeah. Next up I already mentioned this a little bit, but um Eam- uh, Amon Zahabi defeated Javed Basharat via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. Good first round from Basharat, but by the time we get into the second, he's he's still trying to work the same long-range kicks, but he hasn't built off of the success in the first round. And Eamon Zahabi starts getting a little bit of his timing. Starts figuring a few things out, starts landing a little bit better with his punches, um, and is able to disrupt things. And then the third round is kind of more of the same. Um, I you know, one of the one of only two I got wrong here, but uh, Zahabi little bit got to bring some of his higher level experience to bear. Um, I mean, figured stuff out after a tough first round, and then Boshirat never readjusted. So, uh, that's the first loss for Bastardot, but I think he'll learn from it and come back better. I I certainly hope he does. Um, He's got ability, but there was never a building process. After all the success of the first round, and he had good success, he just never never built off of it. And you kind of have to, especially if a lot of your success is Longer range kind of sniping kicks, side kicks, leg kicks. Avoiding long exchanges in the pocket. A little bit straighter punches, but not long combinations. You've got to start breaking the other guy down and setting stuff up. And if you don't, you're just kind of stuck doing the same thing while the other guy adapts to you. And that's never a good spot to be in. Uh, Middleweight, Christian Leroy Duncan defeated Claudio Hiberio via TKO. Just elbows, punches, just kind of beat him up. Uh 157 to the second. Hiberio, I don't know if he should be in the UFC. Uh lightweight, Ludovic Klein defeated AJ Cunningham, 436 of the second round. Um first round, sorry, excuse me. 436 of the first. Brutal bodywork from Klein, all fight. This is the value of body work It's n- almost never one and done. You soften them up. You keep hitting. He was landing body kicks, he would, he he hit Cunningham with pretty much everything he wanted to, including a couple of head kicks. But he was also go up high, then go down low at range, poke middle range, poke uh, poke middle height, so poke to the body. Then something upstairs, he was keeping Cunningham confused. Then, near the end of the first, lands a couple of punches, lands a bit of a head kick, Cunningham, you know, beat up, looking to throw back steps forward steps right into a nasty front kick to the liver cuz um Klein was fighting Southpaw and it just folds him up like an accordion just boom down he goes body work is cumulative you got to keep at it it's not going to be a one and done and good stuff from Klein uh, Cunningham unfortunately overmatched you know took this on very short notice because i mean Klein was supposed to fight Joel Alvarez which would have been a very good fight. Um, I don't know that they'll try to rebook that anytime soon, but um, good win for Klein. Then one of my other um, upset picks, because the odds were actually with Abdul Karim Al-Sawadi, and he has a pretty good first round against Loic Radzibov. And then Radzibov just kind of keeps tanking through him. Keeps coming forward, starts breaking him down. The cardio s- falters a little bit for Al-Sawadi. And 49 seconds into the third round, Rodzibov with a hammer of a right hand. Um, Al-Sawadi's throwing a left at the same time, so he's got the shoulder up to protect the jaw. Here's the thing, and Jack Slacks talked about this a lot recently. You want another example of it right here. Your shoulder will protect your jaw. It won't protect your temple. And you got to move your head... To avoid your temple being hit. Rajabov just it kind of glanced a little bit off the shoulder, but then wham, right in the side of the head. El was, he'd already been a little bit hurt. These two had a pretty good fight. Um, this might be the other one I would recommend looking up. I'll do that bit in a second. Um, but it's a good win for Razobov. Or Razobov. I forget exactly where the emphasis is. Um. Yeah, he, one of those ones where, you know, the Contender Series, sometimes they try to help him out, sometimes they don't give him favorable matchups, and this was not a favorable matchup for Al Sabati, but, uh, yeah, that was the event. So, your bonuses, Fight of the Night, Oliveira and Sopai, completely deserved. Bonuses, your performance, Erceg and Oliveira, no issues there. Um... little bit unfortunate for um i mean rodzibov could have gotten one um klein was the other one i mean decisions weren't completely at a premium or er, finishes weren't completely at a premium here but uh Radzibov might have been the other one that i would have Gone in there, but I could total. I can easily see his being the bronze medal, but only gold and silver get rewarded. So that's where we are. All right, that is, yeah, that was it. That was the event. My full report is in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania.com. If you want to go read it, I always appreciate that. Uh, leave a comment there if you're so inclined. You don't have to, but I'd appreciate it. Um, I think that's it. So, let's move on then, shall we? To UFC 299. So, I already mentioned it, the UFC, you know, it was a quick that was a quick review. Not a lot to go in depth on there. Anyway, UFC 299, rematch between Sean O'Malley and uh, Marlon Vera. I believe he's still the only guy that's beaten O'Malley. Um, I still thought... I thought Piotr Jan should have won that, but... um, What are you going to do? Wait, the UFC gave his knockout of Aljamain Sterling a performance of the year thing? What a load of crap. Sorry, like, I, I don't have any problem with... um, It was a big win for Sean O'Malley. I do not think that was... That was not the best perform- knockout or best performance of the year. Um, sorry. No. Uh-uh. That, set that aside. That's not really uh, here or there. So main event, rematch, Sean O'Malley and Chito Vera. Let me start with, instead of breaking this one down first, let me start with my prediction and then I'll kind of explain myself in a minute. Um, I'm going with Sean O'Malley. Now, here's why. I'm not going, uh, this is not a very big prediction. I am not very confident in this. Confident enough to make it, but I would not feel confident betting on the... I, I shouldn't say betting. like I don't gamble. But it's an easy w- it's an easy way to express how I feel about this one, right? So current odds for this one have O'Malley around minus 300. I don't like his odds that much. Now, that shouldn't be too much of a surprise, but that I'm not. They would not be that far apart if I were setting them. Marlon Vera is very good. He's good over five rounds. He brings a lot of power. He's not dealing with a guy who's going to try to wrestle him. I mean, he fought Corey Sandhagen to a split decision. I thought Sandhagen won that. I don't quite get the split, but he was competitive throughout. He beat up Rob Font over five rounds. In fact, that was another one of those fights where I think he was at a statistical disadvantage, but he just hit so much harder. Because Font had the same one of those things against uh, Jose Aldo, where he landed more, but Aldo just dropped him, like, in every round. Um... So I I take Vera very, very seriously. Five rounds with that guy is hard. He's just, he's just a rough fighter. He will rough you up. And I don't think O'Malley is, you know, fragile. He's got a good chin, O'Malley, but I might worry a little bit about some of his other... His body hasn't been tested. Now, some of that is his dimensions, because he's very long for the weight class. Um, the leg kicks, he's found a way to deal with them for the most part, but that's usually only if they're at range. Like if in combination, he can still get chopped at and my man does not have very robust musculature on his legs, which not the end of the world, you know, neither did John Jones and he's the best ever. So, um, take that for what it's worth. O'Malley's timing has come up a little bit couple of things, though. O'Malley likes to switch a lot, and one of the keys to troubling him is switching with him. And this, Piotr Jan bothered him with this one, and I think the first time they fought, Vera bothered him with this one. O'Malley, I think he favors open stance. Yeah, he does. He favors open stance. And he'll switch to try and get to it. So if you can switch with him, keep him closed. It disrupts some of what he tries to do. Um, and Vera doesn't, again, Vera did that with him the first time. That's going to be another problem for O'Malley to solve. I just, I think the thing that is standing out to me here, as I, again, did a little tape study and have been trying to visualize. I think if they do nothing but kick at each other, that favors Vera pretty heavily. But I don't think that's all that's going to happen. I think Vera will have some success kicking. And then I think he's going to wind up, unfortunately, closing distance a little bit too much. And I think he's going to wind up on the wrong end of some power shots. Now, it could also be that he's durable enough and just marches through everything O'Malley's able to hit him with. His Vera is very durable. And I do think the longer this goes, the more it might shift towards Vera. But at the moment, I'm I'm going to give O'Malley the benefit of a few doubts here. And I'm going to go with O'Malley and ultimately though I don't think it matters who wins this, I think Mirab takes the belt off of either of them, but that's a whole other story, so I'm leaning O'Malley, and that's kind of where we are at the moment. But, dude, like plus two and a half, like two and a half to one on Vera. Again, man, if you don't mind losing, that's not—I don't think that is an accurate reflection of the most likely outcome. Just throwing that out there. All right, co-main event. This five rounds. Um, I don't know. If this is a five-round co-main event, which would be nice, um, it's not going to change my prediction. It would reinforce it, but I would feel, if this were five rounds, I would feel more confident picking Dustin Poirier. I'm still picking Dustin Poirier, but... Here's the thing about this one. I I have nothing but respect for Dustin Poirier's career. That man—he's. This is his like 30th UFC fight, which is a rare number. He's been there forever. I mean, I mean, he's been in the trenches. He debuted for the UFC in 2000. um, Excuse me, 2000. Yeah, 11. When the WEC folded. He came in and he stopped Josh Grisby from ever getting a title shot because he was supposed to. He knocked Grisby's mouthpiece out with that knockout. Um, went on a good winning streak. Lost to Chan Sung Jung in a fight that a lot of people like. Beat Jonathan Brookins. Lost a tough decision to Cub Swanson. Then went on another one a few in a row. Then lost to Conor McGregor. Then moved up to lightweight and went on his pretty big run there. But this is gonna be this is a little bit of a crossroads fight for Poirier. He's taken some, he's been in some wars, man, and that's fine. But that bill comes due. I mean, gee, just look at this guy's resume. All right, well, let me just let me run through the names he's fought in the UFC, if you don't mind. So Josh Grisby, Jason Young, Pablo Garza, Max Holloway. That was Holloway's UFC debut. The Korean Zombie. Jonathan Brookins, Cub Swanson, Eric Koch, Diego Brandao, Akira Khorasani, Conor McGregor, Diego... Fe- then moves up to lightweight. So those were all featherweight. Lightweight. Diego Fajera, Yancey Medeiros. That was a tough... He won it, but that was kind of tough. Joe Duffy. That was a rough fight. Bobby Green, who he knocks out, gets knocked out by Michael Johnson. Majority decision over Jim Miller. He got his calf kind of torn up in that one. Goes to war with Eddie Alvarez that ends uh, near the end of the second after an illegal knee. Beats Anthony Pettis in a pretty bloody affair. Goes to hell with Justin Gagey. Goes back to hell with Eddie Alvarez. Wins both of those. Beats Max freaking Holloway for the interim belt. Gets choked out by Khabib. Oh, the horror. His fight with Dan Hooker is on the UFC's YouTube channel. This is the one they've released free for fight week, right? If you have not seen Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier from 2020, go watch it. Thank me later. If you have seen it, watch it again. That fight is incredible. It is brutal. It is back and forth. It's... Someone described it like watching a guy with a spear fight a guy with an axe. And they both could just take lumps out of each other. It is tremendous. Then he beats Conor McGregor twice, knocks him out the first time, breaks his leg the second, gets a title shot, and loses to Charles Oliveira. Pretty tough fight. Then he has a blood and guts affair with Michael Chandler, because that's how Poirier fights. Then he has a rematch with Justin Gagey, and he gets knocked out in the second round with a head kick. He's 35. He's 35 with 38 fights. And again, I think what 30 of those are in the UFC. This will be his 30th in the UFC. So 29 right now. Like You have to do nothing but give that man every ounce of respect he has earned. And I say this with respect, but that bill comes due. It just does. And Benoit Saint-Denis, I, there's so many people sleeping on him. There's a lot of people. I remember when this fight got announced. People posted some highlights of his fight, I think with Elijah zaleski Santos, and went, this guy's going to beat Dustin Poirier. Guys, if your only understanding of BSD here is that UFC debut? You are wildly, and I mean wildly, missing the point. This there's a lot of guys who struggle to come back from a weird first impression, whether it's earned or not. And Benoit Saint was he fought ZDS up at again welterweight. And lesser men would have been finished. He hung tough through that and he lost that soundly. But he dropped back to lightweight after that, and he has done nothing but end people since. He is a violent fighter. He is rugged. He has power. He can fight on the mat, he can fight on the feet. He's great about hitting you on the clinch break. He's not afraid of the fire. If you're looking at highlights of his loss to Elijah Zaleski dos Santos and thinking that's going to be informative of a fight with Dustin Poirier, you are wildly, wildly missing the point. And again, I'm still picking Poirier here, Right. I'm not out here saying that he's going to run over Dustin Poirier. That's not my claim. My claim is what are the odds on this one, just for the record? The odds are actually with Saint Denis. And I understand that. This guy is good, he's younger, he's up and coming. And Poirier might be on the downside. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna pick Poirier here. I think the experience edge will be a bit too much. But just being honest, guys, if the last few fights have finally worn down this guy who's been in the trenches, just World War I style, grinding his way through no man's land towards the top of this division. If the last little bit is finally what slowed him down, this is, it will manifest here. Even a slightly slower Dustin Poirier is still capable of winning this fight. But, I completely understand saint being the favorite. And... Do not mistake his UFC debut for the true measure of his skill. That will lead you to no good end. His last five fights, he choked out Nicholas Stolze, he pounded out Gabriel Miranda, he choked out Ishmael Bonfim, he pounded out Tiago Moises, and he head-kicked Matt Frivola. Do not think that this is the same guy who, because he was fighting up at welterweight on short notice to get into the UFC, didn't have much for a guy who at the time was still a very, was still probably one of the 15 best guys at welterweight. That would be a mistake. That's all I'm saying. That is a, this is going to be a violent fight. I'm looking forward to it. This is actually my favorite fight on this card, which actually has some competition, Believe it or not, Um, the main card for UFC 299, I didn't mention it specifically, but it's very good. This is a very good card. Um, Very good pay-per-view card. After that, yeah, there's, it's not bad beyond that. It's just not, you know, knocking your socks off. But there's nothing over welterweight on the main card. Bantamweight title fight, um, lightweight, two welterweights, another bantamweight fight. Um, I'm always happy about that. What are we... Hang on. There are two heavyweight fights and one light heavyweight fight on the card in total. Well, shoot. Oh, well. Nothing I can do about that. Um, anyway. But yeah. Go... Leaning towards Poirier just a little bit, but if I were braver, I would pick Sontany, which is weird to say about the favorite. I know. I know that's weird to say about the favorite. But I'm not willing to write Poirier off just yet. And I think I'm not going to write him off if he loses, because I think Benoit Sontany is very good. But I just, I can see some of the danger signs, but I'm not willing. I don't think pore is too far down the path of being past it, to still not be capable of greatness. So, anyway, that's where we are there. Um, next up, the UFC debut of Michael Venom Page, who wasted about a decade in Bellator fighting cans. He's taking on Kevin Holland. This is an extremely... um, ...favorable stylistic matchup for Paige. Kevin Holland is probably not going to wrestle him down. He's probably not... um, ...yet going to clinch with him. There might be some clinching, but I don't expect a whole lot. I mean... When I say that Michael Page wasted about a decade in Bellator, let me just... His Bellator debut was, yeah, in March of 2013. And now, then he left Bellator after beating Goiti Yamauchi with a nasty leg kick that, like, broke his kneecap in 2023. He fought some good guys in Bellator. I, I don't mean to dismiss all of them that knockout of evangelista santos when he caved his skull in literally um that was great but there's a lot of also hey here's rudy bears here's charlie Ontiveros. here's jeremy holloway then he gets a good enough run then he gets knocked out by douglas lima and we go back to him fighting nobodies Richard Kylie, Giovanni um, Melio? Melio? Shinso Anzai was ancient at that point. Like, there was a lot of... He probably should have lost... In fairness, he also probably should have lost that Fernando Gonzalez fight. Uh, it was a split decision again. He m- maybe should have won that. He maybe should have lost that, but... There's just a lot of time doing not a lot in his career. And now he's 36. And I like his chances here against Holland. Stylistically, this favors him. Holland's tough. And I don't expect this to be easy. But if Holland didn't learn from fighting Stephen Thompson that, oh, he slipped and I'm on top. I should stay here. Instead of letting him stand back up and let's get back to, you know, what I like to do. Like, there's a, there is a place for gamesmanship where you just try to win the fight, man. If Holland did learn that appropriate lesson, he might, he can, he can win this. This is not a gimme. But I do think it's favorable. So I am going to lean towards, the odds are actually with Holland on that one, interesting. Not by much, but a little bit. I'm going with Paige. I think they carefully match-made him here, and I think that'll probably pay off. Holland's younger. I mean, he's only 31. Had a tough fight with Jack Della Maddalena last time out, though. Again, this is not easy. This is not at all an easy fight for Michael Page. I don't... When I say favorable, I don't mean easy. But I do think there's a little bit about how Holland fights that plays into how Page fights. And if Holland can switch gears, he absolutely can win this. But I'm going to lean towards Page. I mean, not to jinx my, I'm going to jinx myself. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to lean into it. I also don't mind being wrong about this one. I'm on a comfortable enough lead on my goal at the moment to play around a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. But this whole main card is so well-matched, like, I could easily get all of these wrong. Because um, next up at welterweight we have Gilbert Burns and Jack Della Maddalena. This is a real tough fight for JDM. Um, Burns coming off of that really, he should not have. Okay, so he lost to Bilal Muhammad. That fight should have been stopped. Not because Bilal was just beating the crap out of Burns, but Burns injured himself at some point in what was like the third, second round? I can't remember when it was. He yeah, had suffered a shoulder injury and just then gutted out like, again, like three more rounds, I think, um, to no one's benefit. Um, again, this is tough for Jack Della burns is a pretty good striker an exceptional jiu-jitsu practitioner pretty darn good at getting you down burns is also 37 and has you know almost 30 fights and has been in the ufc for a long time um in fact his 10 year his decade mark will be in july Because uh, he debuted, yeah, July 26th of 14 was his UFC debut, and JDM is 27. Now that he's had a couple of tough fights, the Basel Hafez fight was tough, and I give Hafez credit for trying, but that shouldn't have been split. I don't get the split on the Kevin Holland fight either, if I'm being honest. But that was a that was a good fight. JDM's on a 16 fight winning streak. Now he's running into stiffer competition here, so the finishes have not uh, shown up as much. But he's good. He's a real slick boxer. He works the body. The bodywork in particular will be key against someone trying to close distance and clinch up. That's the other thing about bodywork and MMA in particular. It will give you position for underhooks. It will help with your down blocking. Um, go to the body. It will make your life easier, I promise. Don't be stupid about it because it can expose your head, but bodywork. It's your friend. This is a tough one. This is Again, this is another step up for della madalena and a non-trivial one not trying to dismiss kevin holland but gilbert burns has proven to be at different points very near the top of this division i'm still gonna lean towards uh jack here good old jdm but this is tough this is gonna be a real tough one so Looking forward to that. It's a good fight. It's a very well-matched fight. And lean ever so slightly towards JDM. And then kicking everything off on the main card, former Bantamweight champion Piotr Yan and Song Yedong. Jan's in a bit of a rough patch. He's 31 and has lost three in a row. Now, in fairness to him, I mean, okay, he's one and four in his last five one of those was the DQ loss to Sterling in their first fight that he was winning handily before he was stupid beats Corey Sandhagen loses a split decision to Aljamain Sterling live I thought he won it on rewatch I've kind of leaned more towards Sterling but very close fight lost a close split decision to Sean O'Malley that I still I still score for him then he didn't have much for Marab. Well, he stopped a lot of Marab's offense, but Marab's offense, like, is his defense. So even if he's not doing much to you, the fact that he's the one doing things stops you from doing things to him. There's a... I'm... Look, I'm going with Jan. That shouldn't be too surprising. I'm not trying to dismiss Song, because Song is a pretty darn good fighter. But... Song's just not quite as good at... He and Jan fight similar... Not identically, but there's some similar generalities. And Jan at the moment is demonstrated to just be better at those than Song. But this is kind of Jan's last shot at still being a top guy. If he drops this one, that's going to be real bad. Um, The odds for this one are... Pretty close. They lean t- lean towards Yan, but they're pretty close. The song's getting a lot of respect, and that is well-deserved. Like I said, man, I could go 0 for 5 on this main card, and I would not be surprised. They're all good. They're all well-matched. Big thumbs up. On the prelims, we have Curtis Blades and Jailton Almeida. I'm happy that this fight's being made. Kurt- Curtis Blades is only 33. Wow, I would have sworn he was older. So his last fight, he got smoked by Sergei Pavlovich. Had won three in a row before that. The story of Curtis Blades, man. Does good work. Wins some fights. Probably the best wrestler in the division. Then steps to a big power puncher who can kind of deal with his takedowns, and he gets smoked. So he loses to Francis Ngannou. Then he wins a bunch of fights, and he loses to Derek Lewis. Then he wins a bunch of fights, then he loses to Sergei Pavlovich. Jalton Almeida is not a big puncher Jalton Almeida is a jiu-jitsu practitioner who I don't know how he's going to deal with a very good wrestler like Curtis Blades now Almeida has not lost in the UFC in fact he hasn't lost since 2018 um he's coming off of a win over Derek Lewis. That one of the bizarrest fights you'll ever see. Like Lewis is kind of doing like corpse guard, just not doing much. But because he's not doing much, Almeida can't do much to him and it's just it's awkward. It's a very awkward fight. Um if Almeida can get on top of Blades, that'll be a real problem for Blades. On the flip side, we don't know what happens to Jailton Almeida if his front kick to double leg, which is 90% of how he starts, that's what he does every time he starts to finally comes out, might show a jab, throws a front kick, tries a double leg. That's <laughs> what he does. This is the kind of fight Curtis Blades usually wins. I don't know if he will here. This is this is tough. The odds are very close. I'm going to go with Blades. I just I don't know how Almeida is going to respond to the big uh, to the wrestling. He might be fine. He might have a great guard. He might sw- like he could easily win this. But I have seen uh, Blades deal with guys similar to Almeida in the past. So I'm going to lean towards Blades, but one, not by a whole lot. And two, I still don't think either of these guys beats Tom Aspinall, who I do think is going to be champion after John Jones retires. I mean, Aspinall's already the interim champion, which is waiting on John and Stipe's silliness and that whole clown fiesta. All right, next up. Women's flyaway, we have Kate, the former Caitlin Chukagian, now Caitlin Seminara, versus Macy Barber. Barber has won a handful of fights that I don't believe she should have won. I thought she lost to Miranda Maverick, didn't get the scoring of that fight. I don't think she beat Andrea Lee. That was in March of last year. Her other wins have been legitimate, and she stopped Amanda Heboss. That's certainly nothing to sneeze at. Um, Seminara is a roadblock in this division. She's never been able to be champion. Um, but she's turned back a lot of guys, a lot of fighters. She probably should have beat Jessica I. Then yes, yeah, she had nothing for Valentina Shevchenko. Um, Jessica Andrade stopped her in the first round with a body shot. But and she most recently lost to Manon Fior. But she'd won four in a row before that. She'd turned back Cynthia Calvigio, Viviane Arujo, Jennifer Maya, and Amanda Hibos. She's still. A very very tough roadblock I don't know that I've seen barber be able to effectively handle her type of the the challenges that she presents out of curiosity the odds like barber and for understandable reasons like this when the year's all said and done like 299 is gonna be the card that I look back on and go what am I thinking I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with Seminara here. I just, I don't know. I I respect Barber's game, but this is the type of challenge that she's either faltered against or been gifted decisions against. And I don't know that I've seen her have, have overcome that yet. Lightweight, great fight here. Love this one. Mateusz Gamrod and Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, again, man, RDA, one of the greats. He's forgotten, but he's one of the greats. Uh, coming off a tough fight with Vicente Luque, he's back down at lightweight here after some time spent at welterweight. Gamrot, going to wrestle... Scrambly. Um had that on his fight with Faziv unfortunately had the knee injury in the second round of Fazeev. Again, that really sucks that was a good fight. It was starting to get going too. Um, I don't know that at this point Dosanjos can keep up with Gamrod on the mat the same way that like Benil Daryush did. Um, again, I have you I'm one of the few guys who've been out here for a while saying I I really appreciate Dos Anjos and what he's done. This is a guy who should be studied when it's all said and done. There's a lot about his game that is technically great. He should be the subject of tape study. He's also 39 and will be 40 later this year. Whereas Gamrot is 33. And that that's a pretty big it's a pretty big jump. That's an important six years. It really is. So I'm I'm not dismissing Dos Anjos, but I do feel okay picking Gamrot here. Um, some places have who some places are asking for trouble. Some places have Dosanjos like. Plus three hundred. Um, I don't think he's that big a dog. <laughs> Let's see, bantamweight uh, Pedro Munoz and Kyler Phillips. Interesting one here. Um, Phillips has only lost in the UFC to Howley and Paiva. That was a majority decision. Um, he also holds wins over Song Yadong and Hani Barcelos. Um, so he's pretty good. Munoz a bit more te- tried and tested, but also very spotty. I mean, okay. Here's his last handful of fights, and I understand the losses. So, loses to Al Sterling, who would go on to become champion. Drops a split decision to Frankie Edgar. I thought he won. Beats Jimmy Rivera. Loses to Jose Aldo. Oh, the horror. Loses to Dominic Cruz. Oh, the horror. Um, is having a bit of a... Rough... He and O'Malley were having a little bit of a... It was weird. Um, but uh, no contest because of an eye poke. He beats Chris Gutierrez. Then he loses to Marlon Vera. So, oh no, you lost uh, like four guys who have held gold. And then the guy now fighting for gold. Like, okay, you're, you took on a tough murderer's row there. So respect. <laughs> um, but he's trying to fight to maintain his position, whereas Phillips is trying to take it from him. Munoz, 37. Bantamweight. That's rough. Phillips, only 28. That's kind of a big deal, but it could be the big deal in the wrong way. Munoz has never been a fast bantamweight. Phillips moves a lot. That's. And that has given him problems in the past. Okay. Yeah, yeah, going. I'm going to go with Phillips. I'm just going to note. This might be the young, talented guy taking a step a little bit too far and the, the grizzled veteran turning him back. That wouldn't shock me. Going with Phillips, though. Um. Okay. Early prelims, light heavyweight. Iwan Kutelaba and Felipe Linz. What fresh hell is this? Um, Kutelaba... Coming off a win over Tanner Bozer, he'd lost three in a row before that. Kutalaba's just weird. Linz cut down from heavyweight. He's gone 3-0. and I'm not going to discount Kutalaba. The power, the wildness, like... He can win this fight. It's not impossible. Um, But... I feel just I feel pretty good picking Linz. Um, might be eating some crow on that one, but I'm okay with that at the moment. Uh, let's see, middleweight Michelle Pereira, excuse me, Pereira and Michal Oleksyjuk. This is weird. So Pereira at middleweight, dude. I told I mentioned this when I watched his middleweight debut, a return to middleweight when he beat Andre Petrovsky and beat him bad. Like he was so much bigger than Petroski. <laughs> like Pranata spent how much time at welterweight? <laughs> He's enormous. He's an enormous man. Um he really seems to have settled himself down. Mikhail Alexejak he is a, he's, he's good. He's real good. He's got power. He will beat up the body. He's pretty darn durable. He, the guy's been in some tough fights. Um, I think, I think this is still Pereira, but. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pereira. But uh, not by a lot. I, another one I don't feel great about is Oleksaichuk can make you pay. But go with Pereira. Uh, I, he looked just so good at middleweight. His middleweight. I mean, I think I picked him to beat Petrovsky, but I don't. I don't remember. I wasn't keeping track at that point. Uh, I can not I can't quite remember how I predicted that one, but he looked he looked so good. <laughs> I'll go with Pereira. We have a heavyweight fight between Robles Despagne, French, Cuba, Cuba. Um so my pronunciation is probably s- closer to correct. Oh, this is that like really enormous taekwondo practitioner. Um yeah, yeah only four and0 normally that's a little bit of a red flag for me coming into the UFC but um you know one of the one of the one of the only positive things I'm gonna say in general about taekwondo competitive taekwondo um you're allowed to go for the knockout you if you're going wait a minute, what do you mean well, if you look at um WTF, Excuse me not WTF. It's not the World Taekwondo Federation. I think they have a different acronym because they didn't want to go with that or initialization. But the um, the WKF, the World Karate Federation. Um, point karate does not allow you to win by knockout. Which is weird and I think kind of stupid. But they don't. In, taekwondo, in Olympic-style Taekwondo, you actually can win by knockout. It's just rare. Not impossible, just rare. Um... He's fighting Josh Parisian. And Josh Parisian is kind of a heavy bag. He is two and four in the UFC. He's tough, so this is a very clear showcase um, for Despanya. D-E-S-P-A-I-G-N-E. Okay. Might should be Despanya. Uh, so, I, I don't know where the accent is. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. Um, they're matchmaking this very particularly, very deliberately. And I think that's how it's going to play out. Um, Flyweight, CJ Vergara and Asu Amabaev. Um, Vergarda, been a bit up and down. Two 3-2 eh, and two in the UFC. Losses to Ode Osborne and Tatsuro Tyrell... Certainly, forgive Tyra. He missed weight for that, though. That's not good. Dude, he missed weight for the Osborne fight, too. that short notice, and they kind of gave him a grace period, but. Yeah. Won um, his last two over Daniel Da Silva, which I think is Daniel Lacerda, and Vinicius Salvador. And Salvador missed weight for that fight. That wasn't a terrible fight. Almabayev, um, I seem to recall, had a rough UFC debut. I'm going to double check. Um, he's 18-2. and No, he beat Ode Osborne in his UFC debut. How long a winning streak is he on? Good grief. Uh, 14. That is nothing to sneeze at. Vergara is not a joke. But I recall being decently impressed with Almabaev. I'm going with him. Um, we'll see if uh, Vergara can miss weight, or if he will become uh fat CJ Vergara for missing weight for the third time. Then kicking everything off, we have Joanne Wood and Marina Moroz. Um, I don't care about this fight. Wood coming off a split decision win over Luana Carolina. She'd lost three in a row before that. In fairness to her, I thought she beat Lauren Murphy. I did not think Murphy won that fight. Tyler Santos and Alexa Grosso both finished her, but... I thought she beat Lauren Murphy. Um, Moreau's Boy, has she been up and down. Two-fight losing streak. I mean, okay, Jennifer Maya, fair enough. The Carini Silva one was... Uh, Silva's actually shown some decent upside. Don't know how to feel about this one. Wood has... Joanne Wood has not looked great recently, and you kind of go in life and death with Luana Carolina. Your submission defense is still kind of an issue too. All right, let me, eh, Morose. All right, I don't feel great about that, but that's where we are. And that's the card. So Saturday mmazona411mania.com stop by, say hello, I will be covering this live start to finish, just like every time there's a UFC event um, or you can follow me along on Twitter if you don't want to uh, click over to the website I'm at Winfrey MMA if you care I'm a very benign follow, I promise um, yeah, that's how it's looking, I don't feel great about my picks this time, if I'm going to be honest Uh, I have not yet dipped below the 500 mark for any individual card all year. This one might do it. Um, It really might, but we'll find out. And if I do, then I do. I'm a big boy. I can take my lumps when I get things wrong. All right. Reset all of that. So here's the only little bit of news I have before I check Twitter and see what's up. But UFC 298 featured several rehydration violations. was not aware this was a thing that was tested for, but... Apparently it was. And they went as follows. Um, Paulo Costa finding ways to violate rules. Not surprising. Alexander Volkanovsky, Ilya Taporia, Rob wallace really, Jeff Neal... Um, oh, Vera. That wasn't Marlon Vera other Vera shoot hang on um, it doesn't matter that much but I want to get this right you to do Carlos Vera who lost to Renya Nakamura and then um, Danny Barlow I don't know that anything will come of this it just a little bit surprised to see that pop up on my news feed but it did so again we'll see what happens if anything but uh worth noting whatever the rehydration rules were in effect um bunch of guys either i assume this was either not a rule that was made known to people or a new one or something weird like that because Six guys on the same card getting popped for the same thing. That's usually that kind of weirdness that happens. So, all right. Um, Let me check Twitter, see if anything crazy has happened. And if not, we will do plugs and get out of here. Okay. Nope. Nothing new there. Uh, Well, nothing in the MMA space, at least. My feed is full of pro wrestling insanity because I... Know a lot of people who like that, and I cover it. taking of plugs. I cover mixed martial arts and professional wrestling for 411mania.com. Um, MLW, if they have something, I don't know that they will yet. I think their next event is scheduled for a little later this month, but they will presumably have something at some point for me to cover. I will cover it then. WWE SmackDown on Friday. Um, last week was pretty good. Pretty good um apparently the opening two segments went like 40 minutes over time (laughs) well 40 minutes might be a bit of a stretch it took 40 minutes wildly forced alterations down the rest of the event but it's live what are you gonna do um this monday mark ratelich alexis Haina, david wright and myself will be talking about dune part two it um, be nice to talk about a good movie that released this year. So tune in for that if, you listen to, if you're interested in our discussions on movies over on Damn You Hollywood. Now, wherever you're listening to this, type in Damn You Hollywood. We'll probably come up. Uh, give that a listen. Again, I do that pretty much every week. Last week was our sort of medley of the, Os- the Oscar Best Picture winners and some predictions for the different awards. This week, Dune 2. So... Tune in for that. Next week, we'll be back here to review UFC 299, and we will preview... Yes, March 16th. Yes, we will preview UFC on ESPN plus 97. Tai Tuivasa versus Marcin Toborda Why? What is this card? Hold on, I'm gonna per usual. Let's just take a second here. Tuivasa and Tabor, that's probably gonna suck. Brian Battle and Angelosa. Okay. Ovin Saint Pru and Kennedy Zachwu. That's probably not gonna be great. Pandikan Zod and Macy Shasson probably sucks. Gerald Mershart and Brian Barberina, maybe Natan Levy, Mike Davis, just gonna as Chelsea Chandler. Yeah, just not a lot here. There's not a lot here. Yeah, that's oh boy. Back to the warehouse, right? All right, I'll I'll see y'all next week. Thank you thank you again for listening. I appreciate you all. Stay safe out there and continue to be well. Be safe and behave.